0: To the Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Alligut. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria, Illinois. And with me as always is Gary Gere, pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria. Gary, you just had a recent graduation. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Last one in the house. She's graduated. Uh, we started charging her rent next month. And uh, <laughs> That's that's the end of it. My 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 wife wants to get a second dog now that my daughter's leaving. Oh my! Um, but I'm, I'm going to try to hold off on that. So now,
0: now where is Delaney going to go to school? She's
1: actually going to, go to Faith. Oh, in, she is okay. in Ankeny, and uh, she wants to do missionary nursing. Awesome! So um, we will see how she goes on that path, and uh, we'll see. Again, this is the last of four, so it's been an interesting ride, and we enter into
0: this new stage, and uh, just thankful for God's grace. It's 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 been pretty cool. <laughs> Well, exciting times, man, for sure, for sure. Good, good. Well, it is our privilege today to have Mark Jones as a guest on the show. Dr. Jones is the pastor of Faith Reform Presbyterian Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. He's written many books, including Faith, Hope, Love, The Christ-Centered Way to Grow in Grace. Antinomianism, Reformed Theology's Unwelcome Guest, which I have read, uh, The Massive a Puritan Theology, Doctrine for Life, written by uh, Dr. Jones and Dr. Joel Beeky, among many other books. Most recently, he wrote, If I Could Speak, Letters from the Womb, a book written from the perspective of a baby in the womb pleading with her mother to not abort her and uh, Living for God, A Short Introduction to the Christian Faith. And I should also mention his book, Knowing Christ, has been translated into several languages now. Mark is also an avid soccer player and soccer coach, or more properly a footballer. And uh, he and his wife, Barbara, have four children. Reverend Dr. Mark Jones, welcome to The Walrus and the Carpenter.
2: Thanks, guys, for having me on. Really look forward to it.
0: Well, thank you, man. Hey, real quickly, uh, I think we may have bantered a little bit about this. Are you a, a Vancouver Whitecaps fan?
2: You know, I'm not a huge MLS fan, to be honest. I'm an English Premier League uh, Liverpool fan, so and that it's, makes sense. It's, 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 it's,
1: it's, yeah,
2: just you know, after watching the Premier League and then watching the MLS, it's, it's, it's just not the same thing.
0: Sure, sure. Well, one of my very good friends, a guy named Tommy Heineman, played for the Whitecaps for 2013. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, he came to our church once, I
0: believe. Oh, oh did yeah. he? Oh, he, good. Yeah,
2: he did. I happened to be away that weekend. I was doing a lot of traveling when I was younger, and so I, I was sad to miss him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tommy was uh, one of my youth group kids way back in the day, so good guy. Awesome. Solid Wonderful. believer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Great. So uh, we brought you on today to talk about the state of the church in Canada in light of COVID-19 and kind of all the stories that have been swirling around on social media about pastors being arrested and and these kind of things. And, And the thing that sparked... You know, my interest in having you on the show was a a recent post on Facebook. You said, PSA to my American friends who keep posting about pastors in Canada. There are more than two faithful pastors in Canada. Try to have a conversation with a Canadian pastor before posting comments and memes that indirectly or directly accuse many of us of faithlessness because we haven't been arrested. There's usually more to the story. And of course, that more to the story is kind of what we're trying to get at today. And then somebody asked... uh, you know, can you post some uh, of your takes on that? And you said, I'll wait for the podcast invite. And so that's why I, <laughs> I reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to come on to our show? And in fact, honestly, I had kind of wondered what your thoughts were, uh, knowing that you were in Canada, knowing that you are indeed a faithful pastor, um, having listened to your sermons and, um, and some of your uh, seminar talks in the past and read some of your books. I thought, oh, I wonder what Mark thinks about this, and so that's why we wanted to invite you on. Great, yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I appreciate the chance to, to talk about,
2: and I'll confess, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous in the sense that usually when I come on to a podcast, I did one earlier on the Puritans, and uh, you know, those those questions are they're, they're easy to deal with. <laughs> this one's much more difficult
1: because you're sure to offend somebody no matter what you say. I mean, that unfortunately, yeah, that, yeah, that, but- that's just the nature of the beast.
2: Yeah, and I, I said on the podcast earlier, I said, you know, if, if people think I'm a coward or a foolish, at least I want them to know that for sure by what I've said, <laughs> not what they think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I I take it from the things I've listened to from you and in the interactions and such, you... you Probably don't care too much what people think about you, so. <laughs> and I don't mean that yeah, in, a, in yeah. a mean in a mean way at all. I, I do mean that in quite a quite an endearing way uh, that I, that I find uh, about you, Doctor Jones. So, so can you help us a little bit here because you know we are in the United States. We're separated from what's going on. I have several friends that live in in Canada, but you know I haven't really had an. Opportunity. I don't think Gary has either to have a conversation with a pastor. So, what has been the experience of the church in Canada since COVID, and kind of broader as you think about Canada uh, overall? What have you know? What have some of the provinces done that are different?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's a little bit like the United States where it, it can it differ from state to state and up here province to province. So, um, for example, BC we in some senses, had the most restrictions, if you take the totality of of the COVID period. But then uh, other provinces uh, have gone through sort of less restrictions and more restrictions. Like Alberta right now, it's under uh, restriction until at least May 30th and probably will go a bit longer. Ontario is under uh, quite a severe restriction. And, but there were times when, you know, they weren't under those types. And we've also gone through periods where we were allowed to meet indoors up to 50 people, then not allowed to meet at all, except for those who were helping with the live stream. And then we're now allowed to meet outdoors with up to 50 people. Um, so it's, it's it's just there's no easy way to describe um, what's been happening the past year because it's been shifting goalposts for us as pastors almost
1: month to month. Hmm. Hmm. And, yeah, and, go, and, go and yeah. how are your congregations handling that? As you mentioned with the shifting goalposts, uh, because our people love consistency, um, how are they handling this continual change of expectations and protocols? I, you know,
2: I, a part of me wants to, I, I, I think... As in terms of the situation and how it's played out, I, I'm really happy with how our congregation has been able to soldier on through this. But the, the general unity has been has been good. It doesn't mean there's been, like, agreement among everyone. And we've had our struggles uh, in different places with, with different views. And, I mean, even people changing their minds about what they think uh, going one mm-hmm. way or the other. Um, so I, you know I'm relatively pleased with how God has dealt with us as a congregation over the past year but that's not to deny that uh, I think it's it's undeniable that there's been some some spiritual and mental health issues that many people may not even be aware of how significant they are and so that's been my major concern is it's like, Um, I don't know, I remember putting on weight when I started studying for my PhD, but I I didn't remember putting the weight on, it just Mm. sort of happened. And I feel like we're going in the opposite direction, like we we aren't aware of how much we're we're losing out, and Mm. we're going to wake up one day and go, wow, we're, we're really starved, mm. um, which is kind of changing for our church a bit because we are meeting four times on a Sunday, and most of the congregation, or at least a good portion, are able to be among God's people in worship. So, yeah, it's it's, it's not been easy.
1: Now, you, you, you say that you're meeting four times a Sunday. Is that you uh, teaching four times on a Sunday, or do you uh, switch out with other elders, or how how's that working for you?
2: Yeah. Well, there's two two teaching elders in our church and then four ruling elders. So it's the teaching elders that do the preaching. And there was a time when we were allowed to meet indoors up to uh, 50 people, and I would preach back-to-back-to-back sermons, three in a row on a Sunday morning, and then uh, my associate, he would preach in the evening. And now, um, just for timing purposes, we split it up. I do two in the morning. I lead and preach at 10 a.m. and then at 11.30 uh, I also do another service, and then at 4, he does uh, a service, and then at 6, he does a service. So we have four services of about 50 people, and um, that gets at least 200 or close to 200 of our folk uh, and others who are visiting to worship on a Sunday.
0: So um, those evening services that—Steve uh, Steve, Wedgworth's your associate. I, I like Steve a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so So uh, are those mirror services, or is Steve preaching a different series, or—
2: yeah, he does. His, he's just finished preaching uh, through, through Esther, and uh, I'm preaching through Ecclesiastes. So we, you know, we, we do our own thing, and we, we've always had a morning and evening service at our sure. church. So we're, we're just kind of we're keeping that going as much as we're able. But I've, I'm obviously having to double up on the sure. services I would typically do just to to meet the the pro- provincial health order.
0: No. You know, here in the United States, and I know you've traveled in the U.S. as as well as other countries, but, you know, we have this little problem with rugged individualism here in the U.S. And um, lots of uh, opinions about things like the Bill of Rights and and, uh, constitutional amendments and these kinds of things. And so you you oftentimes, uh, people mistakenly say, well, hey, freedom of religion when, when they see these things happening in Canada. But you guys have something a little bit different, which is called the charter, if I have that right. Can you explain that a little bit to us?
3: Yeah,
2: it's, I mean, it's interesting. I was speaking to Stephen earlier about this because it, it's it's interesting to compare uh, in, in Canada the Charter with your Constitution and your your rights in the Constitution. So ours is treated uh, more loosely than yours. So um, the Charter you can it can be suspended or. Uh, balanced against competing concerns, so one mm-hmm. would be COVID in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, I think in the U.S. From what I was told, the U.S. can restrict rights, but the bar is really high for them to do that. Whereas the Canadian government can kind of act in a almost totalitarian fashion. They can they can act first, but then the citizen has to challenge it, which is what several churches and individuals have done through the courts. Mm-hmm. So um our you know our provincial health leaders Bonnie Henry she she denied uh that they were restricting the charter of rights at first but then had to admit that you know they were and it was worth it given the current um pandemic uh, so um it, it is a little bit um different we the, the provincial health order is a, is like an executive that 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 acts like a dictator in in a state of emergency mm-hmm. because we've like empowered them to Act with extraordinary abilities is is how we, we put it. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so whether you whether you agree or not, that's how, no, you, no. I, no yeah, 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 we're, yeah. yeah we're, for we, sure, we, because as as Jason mentions in our culture, it's it's almost schizophrenic where we romanticize uh, rebellion in a sense, but then we we treat the Constitution, which is is a cool document, but we give it almost semi divine status at the same time. And uh, again it's it's a strange tension among pastors too as we try to maneuver around that and it's really interesting to see you guys with a somewhat different form of government and as pastors trying to navigate through that and still serve your people at yeah. the same time.
2: yeah. And I should I should also add, it's related to that that you know our healthcare system is different as well from mm-hmm. the United States. So it's it's socialized healthcare. So everyone has access to pretty much the same healthcare. In fact, it's it's getting harder to even get private healthcare. There's been more restrictions placed on even getting your own MRI at some places that you want to pay for. And so it's it's definitely um, a different medical system. So that brings its own challenges in terms of what. Um, kind of class of hospital we have available to everyone and how quickly our hospitals can either fill up or be under severe pressure, et cetera, right? So there's that factor that we have to, to weigh in on uh, not just the, the charter, but how our mm-hmm. healthcare system works relative to yours.
0: Sure. Yeah, and that's really helpful. I think one of the things that um, in the argumentation back and forth between, you know, uh, or the discussions maybe even between other countries is um, things like healthcare systems and population, like how many people are in this country versus another, when when, when these kind of discussions. So it's not, yeah, I think that's part of the issue. It's not one for one. And you have, I think, in your statement on Facebook, of course, this idea of, hey, listen, Americans <laughs> – Get understand what's happening here. And the, what you're saying so far is so helpful. So many folks have heard about, you know, James Coates and, and others and their interactions with the RCMP and the arrests and, and those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I, want, I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that and to tread carefully, but kind of what are your thoughts on the decisions of those churches, kind of having the foundation of, of what you all are facing in Canada versus, I mean, including, I'm sorry, um, this charter idea. What are your thoughts on some of these decisions that these pastors and churches have made?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 tricky. I mean, when you look at the situation of James Codes, I, I have a number of friends in Alberta who are pastors and have churches, and they're struggling with these things, and they haven't been arrested, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there are theological issues at stake, like James is view, perhaps, of like his view of the government and trust of authority, like secular authority, um, end times issues, Mm -hmm. uh, basic theological questions where we might differ um, confessionally and historically on things. I, I think we have to admit those do play a role in how we navigate these situations. So um, in Alberta, for example, that's where they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of my pastor friends—they've been meeting in person for most of the last year. And th- there was a period of eight weeks, he said, where last spring, where they could only do live stream, because um, churches were reduced to a capacity of fifteen people. But then in May, things reopened, and their capacity varied between fifteen percent and to one third of fire capacity. So they could have anywhere between sixty and one hundred and twenty people in any given service. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, what they did, like what we do is they moved to two morning services to accommodate everyone who wanted to be there on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they're back to 15 people in live stream only till May 30th. So, um, they've been shifting like we have in BC. So one of the things about the situation in Alberta is that, you know, for most a lot of churches, they have been able to meet. It's just been restricted in some sense, and mm-hmm. people will debate whether the government has the authority to restrict and, and those things, but the fact is is that people have been able to worship in, in peace and, and not be charged and arrested, and mm-hmm. so that's the, the tricky part is um, you know sphere of sovereignty issues mm-hmm. how much do we trust the state with what evidence they're presenting and and how much do we believe we need to defy what um, is happening and, and that's the million dollar question of course
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting and again this isn't a slam against um, what you're saying or against what Coates and, and that church has done but it's interesting that you know on the one hand the government can't dictate is kind of the conversation or the or the talking point and yet then the courts are engaged for um, addressing the issue so you're, you're actually asking the government to step in to, to some degree and to to mitigate um, these decisions and so uh, on the one hand you know uh, I I mean I, I can see where sphere sovereignty uh, can can take place in uh, in both of those situations but it's just interesting as we kind of think through like I think I just heard that the um, the the court said that that what that, that coats wasn't going to be charged or that they could meet or something along those lines I might have that wrong
2: yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, he, the, the whole, the, I was speaking to someone and, you know, the Alberta way is quite draconian and the arresting and, and, and how some of that was done was, it seemed completely over the top and mm-hmm. and ridiculous. Um, so, you know, you can see why people were, were so upset by what was taking place on the one hand, but on the other hand, you know, there were faithful pastors who were trying to work with very mm-hmm. difficult situations on their congregation. Now, for larger churches, it's been much more difficult to navigate, And sure. um, but for, for churches of, you know, whether it was 100, 200, 300, there's, there, there are pastors who have found ways to um, meet the provincial health orders that have been offered and keep worship going most of the time, although uh, even here in BC, we, we've had weeks and, and months at times where we've we've had to uh, moved to online and, and nobody wants that at
0: all. But, mm-hmm. um,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so you, you and I kind of chatted a little bit ahead of time about some of the questions we were going to ask. And one of the things that came up is, is there a, is there a time where defiance is necessary and what in your estimation is a legitimate, yeah, I mean, even thinking about this situation currently, is there a legitimate point where it's like, nah, I think you've, I think the government has gone too far talking about sphere sovereignty and things like that. Um, have you wrestled with that with your session or um, uh, have you, um, you know, even thought through some of those things or what, or even if it's just personally yeah. thinking through it?
2: Yeah, I mean and that that's a good question because you know the first thing is people have to realize that a, a Baptist government church government is not the same as Presbyterian church government. Right. So there's, there's- peculiarities in each type of church government and how that works. Um, there's also the fact that, you know, a pastor may have a view, but his his elders who he has, you know, agreed to submit to in, in things uh, may have a different um, point of view. So you, you've got to take into account there's going to be those types of issues. You, you've also got to take into account that, like— facts and percentages and the coronavirus only kills, you know, this percentage of people and stuff is, is kind of what I've learned is a bit meaningless mm. in a specific context because we're dealing with chic. We're dealing with people, not mm-hmm. just robots. Right. right. And so I, I was are, I was uh, puzzled yeah. by
1: Coates' response where he started questioning the science. Not that it's wrong to question science, but to me, that wasn't even the real argument when it comes between church and government. I, I didn't understand why that would be yeah. relevant, well, if I may mean, put I, it that way.
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't tend to take the view that it's as bad as uh, the government has even right. made it sound, right. right? Like, I have a lot of sympathy. I, I've read, um, you know, Sukharit Bhakti's book on, on Corona, which would be a, you know, a dissenting voice against the major narrative, and and I've talked to lots of medical professionals. The problem is, is that if you've got a church where, let's say, you've got a church in Ontario, I have a friend; he has ninety healthcare professionals in that church. Wow! Yeah, he's going <laughs> to be dealing with yeah, like either doctors, nurses, or whatever. And it's it's a large church, but you know, you're, he's dealing with a very different makeup than a church that's maybe out in the Fraser Valley, made up of. Um, Dutch farmers, right? like right. and you, you know, so we've got to take into account, so coming back to your you know your question, when is it a the turn of the church to defy you know you've got, you've got to ask yourself first, is this explicitly Christian persecution, and I know mm-hmm. some of my Facebook friends, they may not be after this, but so be it. I <laughs> um, <you know, laughs> think this is obviously persecution against the church in Canada. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is more a case of government incompetence at times. Mm. You know, they're prioritizing um, things like stores, um, silly stores, over spiritual or, or issues of the soul. And so that it's like economics is everything, spiritual issues is nothing. But the fact is, is that, you know, a local Sikh temple or a mm. mosque or synagogue, um, my soccer team, like any group hasn't been able to just meet. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, okay, only churches are not allowed to meet. It's like any, um, when the judge made his ruling, you know, he said the issue was gathering, it's duration of time together, age demographic of people gathering, and the likelihood of fellowship. So I don't see this as explicit Christian persecution, and people want it to be that. And I'm Mm -hmm. saying, no, you know, then why isn't my soccer team uh, why aren't we even allowed to contact each other in practice? We've got to stay distance at a soccer practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to really be able to answer those questions honestly and not just say, yeah, but you know governments are evil and this and that. Like You've got to say to real people who have brains and minds like, oh, this is Christian persecution and this is why, and I can't prove that right now. That it's. I just think it's government incompetence. Some of the rules they've made. Yeah, that's and, a good
1: word. You yeah, know and pagans are going to pay. I mean, that that's. It, it's it's kind of the yeah. nature of the beast, and you get something that large, it's going to run through the grinders, and it, and it's and it's not out of maliciousness, but I, I don't know. It's this giant slumbering beast that just doesn't really care.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting too yeah. that economics is, you know, like you said it's the thing that's pushing some of these decisions and and when churches decide to gather, it's funny that the secular world or at least it seems like it is uh is accusing, well, that's just because pastors want to make money, you know. <laughs> like, like actually we we did better financially when we weren't meeting yes. in 2020 than than we are in 2021. Yeah, it it was it was weird. It was
1: some of our highest giving during that time, I think cuz everybody felt us guilty. Too. us too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, us too, you know, and and I like, I wasn't under any job threat during um, COVID. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not a hero in any sense of the imagination for just doing my job. There were people, though, in our church that um, if they had been caught on camera, for example, they would have been fired. I had people mm. say, listen, I, I want to come to worship, but if, if my face is on the camera, my boss is going to fire me wow. because of his view on this. So, mm. you know, the, the real, like, for me, the heroes that I've dealt with in the past few months are my deacons, mm. my elders— um, they are the congregation where I've seen sacrifices being made by people willing to come and set up outdoor tents and use, like, structures to build, to wake up an extra hour early to get things set up that, that we ordinarily didn't need to. And and so many um, others who've ministered to people who've got COVID have been very sick. Like, mm-hmm. those are the people where I... I've seen so much of the grace of God in their life that maybe I wouldn't have seen if we'd just been allowed to continue to do things as we always had. So, like my sacrifices have been minuscule in a sense compared to the sacrifices of, of others.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I do get what you're saying. I mean, COVID, and I'm, I'm sure I think you may have even said this at one point earlier, but 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 COVID, it kind of revealed. Our our hearts in so many ways, as far as the way we look at the church, um, mm-hmm. the way we look at one another, and our, our, the need for for Christ in our life. A, a, out of curiosity, have there been any? Have you talked with any unbelievers on how they view uh, any of this? For instance, with the coat situation, or any other pastor, or even with your church? Have you heard people say they think mm-hmm. this is stupid? This is wise. I support them. I don't support them. Any any feedback from from non Christians?
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm in quite a I'm in quite a, a number of different communities, especially because of soccer. Um, I coach in a in what is basically a largely East Indian commun- community. In oh, that's region.
1: interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I I talk to a lot of. Um, people in that community. I also have uh, friends in, in other places, whether it's my kids' school where I coach the, the girls' soccer and talk to a lot of teachers. And, you know, I, I tend to, to move in lots of different circles. And, you know, what's interesting is I have a lot of sympathy from people who don't agree with the, the government measures that have been taken that they think I should be allowed to worship. Like they said, I'll never go into a church myself, but I think you should be allowed to worship, right? Yeah, And so one of the big arguments people would make without thinking about it was like, hey, this is a bad witness to the world. And, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm not so convinced of that argument. I mm. think there are a lot of people in the world who kind of would have thought, hey, here's people who really believe that what they're doing is right. And so I, I, now I do believe there would have been some in the world who would would have loved the chance to say, Hey, these guys are trying to kill people. I I get that, but it wasn't like an automatic, Oh, this will harm our witness. There, Mm. There were people who I think would have admired us in a sense. If we had decided to just meet now, we, we didn't. And we, we feel like so far, um, it's been okay because now we are meeting together and mm-hmm. we're able to do all of the things we want to do. But yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't such an obvious answer to me that this would be bad or good. We have neighbors who hear the gospel preached Sunday, like we sing outside <laughs> um, as loud as possible. I read the Word of God as loud as possible, <laughs> um, preach, and uh, it's 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 also. Um, It's also, you know, interestingly, people have logged on to my online sermons who are friends of mine that would never have come to church.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, like
2: I see them, right? And so they would never walk into church, but then you see their name pop up on who's listening or watching right now, right? So um, there's been some, some things like that that have been a kind of a nice blessing in the midst of what has been a terrible time for us all. Um, not that that was justified, you know everything, but it, it is one of those um, graces God has, as I think, shown to us.
0: That's really uh, that's really cool. I, I, I like as well. Just even what you've said so far shows that you guys are gathering. You're gathering in a unique way, um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to gather in such a way that goes against the uh, provincial health. You know, whatever code or whatever you said, Um, and and so um, that's I think that's really helpful and encouraging to hear that. Yeah, we we did the outdoor services thing for a while here. In fact, we were doing it over a a radio broadcast, and and there are restrictions on how far you can let that kind of go. But both both Gary's church and my church was doing this. But but even just the houses that are around our churches were picking up the signal, um, and or people just driving by um, on a Sunday morning and seeing that we were gathered. In the way that we, you know, were at the time allowed to do. Yeah. So that's really, yeah. really good. Yeah.
2: No, it's uh, it's been good. It's been it's been a unique time to minister. I mean, the, the other thing I I forgot to mention, but it's worth considering, is you know, a lot of people do say, you know, this virus isn't serious and, and that. But the problem is, what happens if you're church like i have a friend across the border whose church has recently had a, an outbreak they were meeting indoors and you know he's he's really sick and a lot of the people are, are got sick and you mm-hmm. know if i go to someone's house and i minister to a, a someone who's really really in a bad way or a, a young lady who was a nurse who got it on the front line so to speak and has, has been you know really for months now not even able to leave her her room and stuff like when you deal with Mm -hmm. those types of things it it, you've also got to remember that people in the church know that too and so Mm -hmm. if you are willy-nilly about the virus you have to be so careful how you talk about things uh as well you can't just say oh this is this is nothing because what happens if that young lady hears you say that Mm -hmm. who hasn't been able to leave their uh, bedroom for months because of the after effects of the virus so that's another pastoral situation that, you know, I wish people understood for us as pastors. We can't just say what we might want to say at times.
1: No, and uh, we, the last, and Jason knows this, but the last few weeks we've had eight of our people in the hospital and two of them didn't come out. They they passed away. Uh, now, they had mm-hmm. serious pre-existing conditions, but it, it, again, and you, you see on Facebook, and there's this ongoing debate, especially among conservative believers, on whether to do the vaccine or, 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 or not. And um, it's really interesting that, when, that, that as soon as the vaccine comes up, it doesn't become a scientific argument as much as it becomes one of anecdote and politics. And mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to figure out why is it among conservative believers <laughs> that it turns into that area? Why? Why do we politicize the virus, or yeah. we politicize the vaccine? And I've got some own thoughts, but that's not important now. Um, out of curiosity, how's how's the vaccine doing up in Canada? I mean, is it being distributed? Do uh, do you guys have? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's being distributed, but 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 but, yeah, but, but, yeah. but, but what percentage? Of the population oh, has been vaccinated you know, and all that.
2: It, it, yeah, it's it's you know like uh, when I mentioned government incompetence earlier <laughs> and, and stuff. It's 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 sad, but we are really incompetent in terms of the distribution of um, and again, you know. Uh, there's vaccines. They are more people are being vaccinated, so that I think the vulnerable. You know, my parents have been vaccinated. They both had the vaccine. My brother, who lives in Ohio, had both. Uh, he had Moderna. He had two doses. And and uh, one of the first questions now, like I got out of uh, soccer practice the other day, and two um, men were were there picking up their sons, and their first question to me was like, "Oh, hey, Mark, how's the practice?" Well, it wasn't that. It was, "Hey, Mark, have you been vaccinated yet?" Oh my! And I was like, "Whoa!" You know, like. Can I, uh, you know, ask how your um, if, if, how your um, uh, intimacy is with your wife? Like, is right. it okay to just start asking <laughs> questions?
1: Right? Wow, I, so, I, I I don't know if i will go that far. I I know that's what people ask each other here. Yeah, I mean that that's that's, that's part of the common conversation.
0: Yeah, we were just we were just that in. Is- We were just in the hospital uh, a couple of weeks ago with my mother-in-law, totally different issue than COVID, but it was a restriction in the hospital that only two people could be on an elevator at a time. And uh, this may have been the hotel, same thing. Um, And uh, my wife and I were, you know, stepping onto elevators and saying, "Um, uh, you know, is it okay if we come on here because there's already a person in there? Well, I've been vaccinated. And then they're kind of looking at you like, have you been vaccinated? (laughs) You know, (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's uh, well, and you know, and then there's it's just the propriety, even in church relations, like do right. you do. Do, do you want people going around saying well you have a christian duty to be vaccinated and i'm mm. like whoa hang on now like if i i just would like to know firstly if even if i've had the virus because if i have then i don't feel a need personally to to get vaccinated because of my understanding of how science works but it's got so politicized now that like unless you're actually even if you've had the virus you should still get the vaccine you know people are saying that and giving arguments and it's it, it's really stressful as a as a pastor to navigate you know the vaccine world now it used to be the mask thing now yeah. it's the vaccine thing and- Brother, and I, like never ended.
1: I, I I sympathize so much, and I, I sympathize in this area, is because I, and I I've really had to watch this because of what's gone on in vaccines and blah, blah, blah. I have to keep pulling back and asking people about the vaccine. I have to remember, I'm not here to preach the gospel of the vaccine. I'm here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I have to keep myself from debating and arguing and challenging and which is kind of the flip side of you, but it's still not Christ centered and it's not helpful for a pastor to run with that and to be known as yeah. that and i I'm frustrated with myself that I keep having these impulses <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. which I don't yeah. think are healthy for a, a pastor an elder to to push those angles. I, I don't think it's right, but I still have that urge inside me
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's tricky, but um, I, I don't sense that this is, um, as I said earlier, and explicitly yeah. we're going to attack the church thing by the government, and I don't sense that our people are mm-hmm. um, are, are saying we don't want to worship, and, and what I do sense is the very opposite, but um, how we navigate that it, based on our theology, based on our local context, based upon our uh, government structure, our healthcare system, how our people um, hear the news and read it, and, and how their family pressures them, and all of these things, like there's a thousand different pieces you've got to put together. Right. And so whether it's James Coates going with his conscience and his congregation feels they're doing that in faith, or whether it's us saying we're doing this and whatever's not a faith is sin— um, you know, I think people just need to understand we, we are we are definitely committed to um, worship, and we have done everything in our power. And I, I would be prepared to preach six times a day if it meant mm. our people being able to worship.
1: That I, I can't tell you how much of an encouragement is to hear all of that. I, I think closing off with just one more question I'll throw out here. Um, what is one thing you can think of that you can praise God for, that that you have seen throughout all of COVID, through all of this, you can look at this and say, our God has just shown just shown Himself incredibly mighty in this area. What what what, and what immediately comes to your mind?
2: I think uh, I think the way God is is building the the church in a way that uh, it's kind of like there was a shaking up, and mm. I believe in our. In in our context, not only have we been able to extend a ministry wider with our nets than we, we maybe thought we could have, um, that people are are having to make real decisions about whether they're serious about worship and the Lord now and commitment to him. And and I think, you know, I'm, while I'm not saying this is explicit Christian persecution, I have no doubt that our province and country is heading in that direction quickly mm-hmm. where this is going to become a reality sooner than later. So don't get me wrong, I don't think we're like, you know, living in the the, the greatest nation in the world. But Um, I think we've seen, at least for me, the best thing that God's done is, 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 from what I can see, my limited perspective is the seriousness people have about worship, and then also the the commitment they've had to make to, in these trying circumstances, to make worship work as best as they can. And if that means waking up at 6 a.m. to drive 45 minutes to set up chairs Mm -hmm. or whatever outside or set up cut the grass before we go onto some wet grass to worship on the side of the church because it's raining. Like, all those things, th- these happened, right? And and I just say, I praise the Lord for, for people who were willing to do whatever it took to worship God. Um, and still, you know, I hate to say this, but it's, you know, um, obey our, our leaders. And you get mocked now for even mm. saying that. But, mm. you know, we do take that seriously.
0: Mm. Well, Dr. Jones, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. It's been really, really encouraging and and super helpful. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing how uh, people respond, I I hope positively to this. And I just want to thank you again for, for being on today. Thank you very much, sir.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Well, thanks for tuning into the Walrus and the Carpenter today. Uh, We would encourage you to go to our uh, website, wallcarpradio.wordpress.com and leave a comment there on this episode, Um, or you can uh, reach out to us through facebook.com slash or at wallcarpradio on Twitter, and uh, leave us a comment there on this episode. And uh, we look forward to uh, not only hearing about your thoughts on this or comments uh, or questions, but also uh, perhaps hearing from you on some topics you'd like for us to cover. Until next time, we'll see you then. God bless. Oh,